I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is Kansas State's Cooper Beebe, and you're listening to the PowerCat Postgame Podcast on the 24-7 Sports Podcast Network. Make sure you're subscribing to this show on your favorite podcast provider. Welcome to a special late night edition of the PowerCat Postgame Podcast. Tim Fitzgerald, Cole Carmody, and Ryan Gilbert here in the studio at, we're recording at 12.48 a.m. Following Kansas State's 47 27 victory over Kansas in the Wheat State Wheat State rivalry. It's hard to say. I like it better than Sunflower Showdown. Yes. I'm going with that. And they win the Governor's Cup. What a lousy name for a trophy. Um, I found out that Kentucky gives away a Governor's Cup. See? Not even original. Copiers. And uh, Kansas State qualifies for the Big 12 championship game next weekend in Arlington, Texas, where they will play TCU. Winner wins the Big 12. If TCU wins, it will go to the college football playoff. We'll get into all those scenarios, all that stuff as we recap this game. It's going to be a fairly quick one today because it's kind of late. And remember, folks, we have a 75% off deal runner right now. It runs through the weekend. You got tomorrow to do it, or today, I guess it is. Make sure you take care of it. I, I think we might extend it through Monday. I don't know yet. We'll figure that out. But take care of it on Sunday, 75% off an annual subscription, and you'll get all of our insider coverage, all of our VIP behind the paywall stuff as we cover K-State football and Jerome Tank basketball. Things are fun in Manhattan. By the way, we're sponsored by Caddyshack Golf. I forgot to mention that. Caddy with two T's, caddyshackgolf.com. Head on over there. Um, use code GPC for free shipping on your next order and get some cool gear because you're going to need it for the Big 12 Championship. I don't know if you get it in time, but you'll also probably need it for a trip to New Orleans. More on that later. If you've been following along at Go Power Cat, <clears throat> I let my guys have a lot of a lot of room to do their thing, to kind of be their own people. But we do have a rule here at Go Power Cat is there's no drinking until the work is done. No, never, never do we drink when we're recording in any way. Tonight, I have lifted that ban because Kansas State is playing for the Big 12 Championship. And boys, have a beer. Now, look, I, I didn't open one myself. Boy, they're loud drinkers. Uh, I didn't open one myself because I'm so tired. I'm afraid I, if I had one, I would fall asleep right here in the middle of the podcast. Cole, let's start with you. Give me your overall thoughts on the night. Um, I'm just going to say this. The last time that Kansas beat Kansas State, 
Would you like to take a guess who was the governor? Uh, Bob uh, Almo. Alf, Alf landed. Kathleen Sibelius. Sibelius, yes. Yep, that tells you how old I am because I don't even know who that is. I'm just going to say this. Um, there was a lot of talk coming into this game about will Kansas be competitive how much will K-State win by? That was kind of the talk, right? I think the assumption was that K-State was just going to come right in and just roll over the Jayhawks. And honestly, I didn't feel like that was necessarily the case. I mean, for one half of football, KU looked like they could hang with K-State. You go back and, and you look, the Jayhawks gave K-State nine points. The safety, um, or I guess before that, obviously the muff punt, which was a huge play. I mean, KU gets a three and out. Ty Zentner just absolutely booms a kick. First of all, he has been special this season, NFL special. Yeah. Um, booms a kick, drives him back. I'm sitting up there. As soon as that ball's in the air, I'm sitting next to Ryan. I go, uh, he might muff this. Sure enough, two seconds later, he muffs it. Echo Boydo falls on it. K-State scores a touchdown the next play. 7 nothing. a minute and a half into the game. And then, of course, you get the safety where K-State kicks off, and the return man just doesn't know what to do. I guess he forgot that the point was to try and go up the field. He went back, gets tackled. K-State ends up getting a safety. I mean, those are the nine points, and it was a 30-21 to 21 score at halftime. So uh, you look at that, and KU played with K-State. But then in the second half, K-State turned it on, and, and that felt like the Sunflower showdown that we're used to. Yeah. Bills. You know, Kleiman mentioned after the game how it was really a tale of two halves, and that couldn't be more true. Like you mentioned, Cole, I don't think K-State played amazing uh, tonight, or I guess yesterday, now in the past tense, as it's it's past midnight. But they got in a, you know made enough plays to win that game. And obviously you mentioned that nine points were kind of gifted, and I don't know if you touched on the Malik Knowles uh, big kickoff return. You know, K-State played better in all three phases, and when you do that, it's hard to lose when you don't make the mistakes and you let your opponent make the mistakes. So, you know, Will Howard, first half was great. Second half, you could be a critic and say he didn't do well, but did he really need to do anything given the way the rushing attack was he threw the ball three dominating? Times. Yeah. So, yeah. What was it, 26? The last 27 <clears throat> plays were runs for Kansas Jeez. State, I think. Um, so it's just a good win, and obviously I don't think K-State played their A game. They'd probably admit that. But when you win by 20 and you don't play perfect, that says a lot how you know good this team could be. It was impressive. Uh, and I'll start with this. That KU team's different than almost any KU team I've seen in recent history. That's a good football team. They deserve to go to a bowl game. They didn't quit. And I, I got to say this. There's a lot of talk about KU playing Missouri, maybe in the Liberty Bowl, both 6-6 six, six programs. KU will kick the living crap out of Missouri after seeing the two teams in person and watching the two teams throughout the season. Because I have continued to check in on Missouri out of curiosity because they did kind of gather themselves after getting just annihilated by K-State earlier in the year. Um <clears throat> so, the fact that Dierkowitz got his extension, you know, yeah. they turned it around. Yeah, that's it. Um, <laughs> so congratulations to Lance Leipold and everyone associated with um, KU football because you're going in the right direction. It's put more uh, juice into the rivalry. It's added a little flavor to it, even though now it's 14 in a row for Kansas State. It's going to be much more difficult to perpetuate this. But I'll say this. Even though they changed coaches from Bill Snyder to Chris Kleiman, the, the tradition of having the team absolutely ready for KU has not changed. As good as KU was, 
Kansas State won by 20 points. And a big reason was the special teams. They had the muff. They they pinned themselves deep with a bad return on a kickoff that led it that led directly to safety, correct? Mm-hmm. And then uh, of course the Malik Knowles big return for setting up K State's last touchdown and Ty Zittner was a man and a half. I mean that guy. How valuable is he to an NFL team? He can come in as the punter, but also give you a backup place kicker and maybe a kickoff specialist, so you're. Your place kicker doesn't have to wear out his leg. Yeah. So I, I think he's going to find a place in the league. And he's a great athlete, too. People, I keep waiting for K-State to run a fake punt or something because I, I would, he can do it. Oh, yeah. He's a he's a really good athlete. But K-State um, <clears throat> still didn't play a complete game. They, you know, for all we want to say how they won 47-27. They they did leave a lot on the field. They they three and outed on the first drive, mm-hmm. and then they got them off punt, and they got it right back and scored. They gave up a lot of yardage and points in the first half, and they locked it down in the second half. This has been a trend for Kansas State for quite a while now. Joe Klanderman kind of saves the best stuff for after halftime. It blew up on him against Texas because the game got too far away. But other than that, um, in the second half of the season, post-TCU, it has worked. And it's been highly effective, and it was in this game. The fact that they were able to just stifle Kansas in the second half, much more than they did in the first half, and then turn the game around when they couldn't really run consistently in the first half and decide we're going to play power football in the rain now, and Deuce Vaughn carries it 25 times, it they, that just took the life out of Kansas. By the end of the game, I don't want to say they quit, but they were a shell of the team they were at the start of the game. I think the apathy start to set, start started to sit in, and that was the one time. I follow this Kansas team closely a lot this season because they have been better. I haven't seen that from this KU team to where they kind of revert to their old ways. Now, maybe they did last week against Texas a little right. bit. And and I think we started to see that. It was kind of the woe is me. It, it was the uh, crap, we're getting beat. We're not coming back. In the beginning, those guys were fighting. Devin Neal scores a touchdown and is chirping the whole way off the field. I mean, those guys did not want to lose that game. When you look at the bigger picture of this rivalry, uh, we had a colleague, and he, he made a comment, and he had said, um, this is going to be a rivalry that is going to pick up, you know, as far as being more competitive. And I'm, I'm not going to say that I, I disagree that KU can't be competitive in this series, but tonight showed me that they have a long ways to go still if they want to be where K-State is as far as program-wise. K-State played a C game in probably the most meaningful game of the season, and they still found a way to win by three scores against the the middle-of-the-road Big 12 Kansas team. So, I mean, if you're comparing programs, there's going to be fans that say, you know, you, you look at this game in 365 days in Lawrence and maybe the outcome is, is flipped. Maybe it's different. We obviously have a long time between here and now, but or here and then. But I just I firmly believe that what Chris Kleiman is doing with this program will not truly be seen until next year, if that makes sense. He has set a standard. He has a group right now that obviously is extremely talented. The real question is going to be how they finish this season and roll it into next year and continue that momentum because, like we've seen, and we look at Baylor. Baylor wins the Big 12 championship. They come back. They finish 6-6, six and six, right? I mean, uh, obviously, the, this is a lot, a lot of big-picture things, but, I mean, after tonight, 
it just opens up Pandora's box to where this program is going and, and comparing it to the rest of the league. It's just such an exciting time to be a Kansas State fan. It really is. It, there's so much fun going on. Ne- neither basketball team's lost as of now. I don't actually, I don't the know. Women, the I think the women's lost. lost. The women's lost tonight. Yes. I totally yeah. missed that. Um, <laughs> but it's it's awfully fun. Let's <clears throat> hear the Big 12 standings at the end of the season. Of course, TCU at 9-0 and and 12-0 and overall. Um, and I personally think they, even if K-State knocks them off, they should be in the playoff. But we know how this works in this conference. If you're not the Oklahoma or Texas brand, you don't get that loss. It's just it's total crap uh, because this is a really good TCU team that K-State did play with for some of that game. And I asked Will Howard about that second half that all fell apart. Really his worst half of football he's played this season. Mm-hmm. But it was also just I, I'm going to lay a lot of that on Colin Klein, the play calling. Mm-hmm. K-State comes in second all alone, of course, at 7-2 and two and 9-3 and three overall. Incredible season for the Wildcats in Wake. It, in in the wake of losing to Tulane, how they recovered and, and did so well in the Big 12. Going 4-1 and one in, on the road in this league, only losing to T.C. was absolutely remarkable. Texas finishes up 8-4, and four, and they're 6-3. and three. It's a really good Texas team. I mean, they... they They ran K-State off the field in the first half of that game before it got competitive. How about this? This snuck up on all of us. Texas Tech beat Oklahoma today. And, you know, that game was going on at the same time, so I didn't even check in on it. They finished 7-5, and they're all alone in fourth place at 5-4. Incredible. So TCU, K-State, and Texas Tech are three of the top four teams, and I think those teams were picked five or below in the preseason poll. All of them. Mm-hmm. Oklahoma State collapses. They they never recovered from uh, K-State absolutely drilling them um, here at Bill Snyder Family Stadium. Seven and five, four and five. Baylor, six and six, four and five. Oklahoma, six and six, three and six. KU, oh, six and six, three and six. You just feel so bad for OU, don't you? Uh, it's unbelievable. Uh, West Virginia, five and seven and three and six. Um, and then all alone at the bottom, of course, is Iowa State at one and eight. Um, and uh, whatever their record is, four and eight overall. So the thing is, is I don't see a drop off coming for K State. Iowa State was in the Big Twelve Championship game two years ago, and then last year they had, I would say, a disappointing season. Even though they did get bowl eligible, they mm-hmm. had all that talent, NFL level talent, and. It, when it left, they had nothing to replace him. I don't see that happening here. I mean, Will Howard will be back next year. Um, Deuce Vaughn will be gone, but uh, DJ Giddens has really blossomed. And I think some of these young running backs coming in will be able to play. Um, receivers, they're going to have to rebuild. Line, they're going to be younger. They might look at the portal at those two spots. Uh, but I, I think this team will be able to reload and, and get back on track next year. Now, this at this level? I don't know. I honestly don't know. Deuce is really hard to replace. He does some things, and he did it again tonight with that screen pass that he turned into a long, long gain because he's just sometimes he's so hard to get a hold of. But uh, this is a really good K-State team. They they have had their hiccups this season, but they, they seem to be finding themselves here down the stretch. Well, who would have thought TCU would end up where they are? It's, I mean, it's absolutely amazing. Right? I mean, that's just kind of the whole thing. And, and I'll say this. I tweeted something out during the game, and I don't know. It might be a hot take. I don't know. I said, Will Howard is the best quarterback in the Big 12 right now. I I believe that. I would take Will Howard over any of the other quarterbacks in the Big 12. For the one game against TCU, you asked me who I want as my quarterback. I'm going to say Will Howard. Um, Maybe you can say Jalen Daniels, but I'm not saying Spencer Sanders. I'm not saying any of those other guys. I mean, K-State is going to have 
a returning quarterback who in all likelihood has a very realistic chance at being um, the first team all preseason all conference quarterback. So, you know, when you when you're looking at the direction of this program, again, I just feel like the pieces are there and Chris Kleiman has really taken the talent that he's had and made the most of it. I think that is the biggest difference between what K-State has done and what other schools have done. Chris Kleiman knows how to coach the talent that he has. I think we saw that tonight, going back to this game. Look at a guy like VJ Payne, true freshman, comes in, starts. Maybe there was some talk about TJ Smith, the junior starting. VJ Payne came in, played an excellent game. But they put him in positions to be successful. That's why K-State had so much success tonight is because they were consistently in positions to be successful. That's why Ryan Gilbert, Will Howard only threw the ball three times in the second half because they knew if they're going to have success, it was going to be on the ground. Mm -hmm. I I think this was just an outstanding job by not only um, Chris Kleiman, but Colin Klein, Joe Kleinman, and the whole crew. And we're learning that Chris Kleiman might be a pretty darn good football coach, right? If you look at what he did at North Dakota State, you probably don't have the most athletic or talented guys in the world and to you know have the success he had. I mean, tonight, I think they ran the same exact play twice with Malik Knowles, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, if it's not broken, don't fix it. I think he had a second, or excuse me, a third one later in the second right. half that broke for like 30 yards. So schematically tonight, Chris Kleiman, I wouldn't say dominated, but he, he was probably better than Lance Leipold. And there's a lot of things that go into coaching, as you know, Cole, but um, having his guys ready to go, you know, I think there were maybe a few doubts after that pandemic season when the locker room kind of fell apart. But I think it's fair to say that was just kind of a wash at this point. And ever since then, you know, climbing his his four you know core values, as he likes to say, right? All of those guys in that locker room just follow those. The the great coaches understand the importance of a locker room, and the importance of having a cohesive team from top to bottom, of having leaders evolve the team and grow the team. And that's maybe what Chris Kleiman does the best. I've covered some really tight-knit K-State teams under Bill Snyder, but I haven't covered anyone like this. This group is completely bought in to each other, not just the program, to each other. And it starts with the quarterbacks who have been so supportive, no matter which one is on the field getting the snaps. And it just trickles down through everyone on this team. You know, every one feels valued in some way. So many guys can contribute on special teams. He get, finds time to get players in. If you're a backup on this team, you know what that means? You're going to play a lot. Yep. And and, and it helps uh, keep this team fresh. And I think it's alleviated some of the injury problems, although they piled up on the back end of the defense here at the end. But uh, yeah, well, it, it's, it's really impressive what they've accomplished now. Um, if he can win this Big 12 championship, um, I think Casey had set up for years to come. Would this be the most impressive Big 12 championship? Or big, most? not even that. Would this be the most impressive football season K-State has had in a long time with, if Chris Kleiman's able to, to beat TCU on Saturday? Because I just feel like with some of those Snyder teams, you knew that they were different. Like, they were good. Uh, that 2012 team was different. Right. They were good. Um, well, they had a legitimate Heisman candidate at quarterback who's now the offensive coordinator, Colin Klein. I mean, they, they picked up his personality. They were tough as nails. They just kept persisting. Uh, and even after they lost at Baylor, when the when the injuries caught up to them, they came home and, and just dismantled Texas to win the title. Uh, there was no Big 12 championship game back then. It was just off the regular season. It just feels like with this group, I mean, 
There were so many questions after Tulane. You mentioned it. And Fitz, you and I had the conversation after the game. I think you and I were both so shell-shocked. Well, I just remember getting in that elevator, writing down as we're walking to Chris Kleiman's press conference, thinking, is this season over? Yeah. Like, there was legitimate thoughts of, well, they looked so good against Missouri. They looked terrible against Tulane. They're going to get absolutely smoked by Oklahoma. The season might be over. And the fact that they were able to turn it around on a dime, this is such an impressive coaching job. I know Sonny Dykes is probably going to win Big 12 Coach of the Year, as he should. He might be National Coach of the Year. As he should. But when you look at what Kleiman was able to do, I mean, I think this is going to be a season we're going to look back on, regardless of what happens these next two games, and say they did something extremely special that year. The yeah. way K-State has done this is what's surprising. Like, if you told me Adrian Martinez would miss a couple games and Will Howard would be the starter that has kind of earned the job now, it's crazy. to believe. I, I wouldn't believe you if you told me that K-State would be playing with a Big 12 title chance with Will Howard. It, I wouldn't believe it. I know. And with everybody, just with the, the, all the circumstances, you know, like we watched that Tulane game. I go back to it. Well, guess what? They're a 10-win team. They're going to play in a, most likely, if they can win their conference championship game. Which they'll host now. Right. They're going to play in a power. What is be it? in the Cotton Bowl. Yeah. They'll play in a big-time bowl game. Like, there's not a, no slouch K-State has played this season. Every single game, Missouri's making a bowl game. I mean, this was a tough schedule that, that K-State had this year. And the fact that they were able to come out with nine wins in the regular season, I mean, it's just it's just remarkable. How about this matchup? Uh, we've talked a lot about K-State playing LSU in the Sugar Bowl. LSU loses to Texas A&M, which might cost them being in that Sugar Bowl. Um, and we'll get into all this in a little bit. But how about this opportunity for Tulane? LSU, Tulane Ooh. in the Cotton Bowl? Wow. <laughs> That'd be pretty cool. We'll explain exactly why I'm saying K-State is going to play in the Sugar Bowl right after we take this break on the Powercat Postgame Podcast Edition 1. Of course, I'll do another one of these with Brian Hanley. We'll be right back, and we're sponsored by Caddyshack Golf. This is Kansas State's Daniel Green, the leaders in K-State sports coverage. We'll be right back with more of the Powercat Postgame Podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This is Kansas State's Felix and Yudike Uzama. Welcome back to the Powercat Postgame Podcast on the 24-7 Sports Podcast Network. 
Welcome back to the Powercat Post Game Podcast, sponsored by our good friends at Caddy Shack Golf. It's Caddy with two T's, CaddyShackGolf.com. Go check out their stuff. I mean, there's so much there with their golfing Willie apparel and other stuff. You don't even have to be a golfer. This is really cool stuff. Make sure you check out Caddy Shack Golf, and we appreciate them being a sponsor again on the Post Game Podcast. And nobody has enjoyed more benefit. From the bonus podcast we've done this year, we've done, uh, there'll be now six games with a bonus podcast um, because it's been that kind of season. Uh, I think that's how it works out. But anyhow, check out CaddyshackGolf.com. Okay, boys, as we continue this, Tim Fitzgerald, Ryan Gilbert, Cole Carmody right here with two uh, sleeping dogs in the GPC studio. His dude over there. He is cashed. He's, yeah, they're, it's past their bedtime. He lives a rough life. It, it's, it's Give him a break. Literally, dude will go to bed before the humans. <laughs> well, the doodle disappear and he'll be on the bed. Uh, so uh, here's here's how it breaks down, folks. The champion of the Big Twelve automatically qualifies for the Sugar Bowl unless they go to the playoff. Now, the the two scenarios left on the table: if TCU wins or K State wins next week. If TCU wins, they will be thirteen and zero. And after what took place across college football this weekend, they are a dead cinch lock to get into the playoff if they uh, beat Kansas State. I would say it, the door is open to them if they play a really competitive game against K-State and lose. They still might sneak in because that's how chaotic today was with losses by Ohio State and Clemson. And who am I missing here? Missing someone else. But, yeah, it was just um, – no. Yeah, Ohio State, Clemson, LSU lost. LSU. LSU. I already said that. I <laughs> forgot. That's how tired I am. Um, so if the champion is not available to the Sugar Bowl, they are obligated. They don't have a choice. They are obligated to take the next highest ranked team from the Big 12, according to the College Football Playoff Committee. So if TCU advances and K-State loses, the only way K-State wouldn't play in the Sugar Bowl is if the committee would drop them below Texas. And I don't see a loss to TCU unless it's an absolute blowout, possibly doing that to Kansas State. So I would say 95%, 99% sure that if TCU wins and K-State loses, K-State will remain above Texas in the playoff committee's eyes, and they will advance to, as the Big 12 rep to the Sugar Bowl. So K-State's 12, and Texas right now is 23. Yeah, yeah that's I, not happening. It's not happening. It's just, and in fact, coming out of this weekend, K-State's going to be in the top 10 of those rankings. K-State will be in the top 10, and I would bet Texas jumps to around 20, yeah. 19. Yeah. So I don't see I don't see K State dropping nine three or you know five or six spots and Texas no. jumping three or four spots after not playing. You wouldn't think that that would ha- that, that you wouldn't think that'd be the case. I think the committee knows. You know what? K State has earned this. Uh, yeah. Frankly put, K State has earned this more than Texas has earned it. Right. If we're being brutally honest, when you look at the losses and compare them. I mean, it's hard to sit here and say that well, all three of K State's losses will be teams in the rankings. Right, and and let's just say this: I understand Alabama was number one when they played Texas, but Tulane and Alabama are going to end up in the exact same type of bowl. It's a completely different brand. I get that. It's pretty remarkable. But they are the exact same type of bowl. They've had the same type of season. So I'm not comparing Tulane to Alabama. I'm not. Yeah, but, Tulane's much better. Yeah. Hey, you know what? They might get that chance. I will advise you this. If you uh, are planning or thinking about going to Sugar Bowl, book a hotel in a refundable way so that you can cancel that sucker. Yeah. 
It, the game is on. The Sugar Bowl is on New Year's Eve in New Orleans, which is chaos without a bowl game. New Year's Eve on Bourbon Street. Now you won't find me on Bourbon Street on New Year's Eve. No, no way in hell. <laughs> that's that. Even that's too advanced for me. That is a that is a death sentence. Right. I just don't want to mess with the crowds and the chaos and all that. The game is at 11 a.m. on New Year's Eve, though. So you will get the game out of the way. They've announced College Game Day is going to the Big 12 Championship, um, and so both the championship game and the Sugar Bowl 11 a.m. kick. So you're done with the night game for the season as long as K-State makes it to the Sugar Bowl. I would advise you if you're going to fly, um, we have booked on uh, Southwest. We booked last week. Uh, you're not supposed to say that. Uh, totally refundable, man. I got it, <laughs> I got it set. But um, yeah, I paid a little extra to make sure we could get it all done. But yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's an exciting time to be covering K-State for us and of course to be a K-State fan. Um, as it does look like they will go to the Sugar Bowl, and my my longstanding dream of seeing K Staters on Bourbon Street is about to come true. I- I'm curious who they play, I- and I know I we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves here. But I mean, it's fascinating when you look at what's going on in the SEC. And with K State, I got it pulled up here. And with K State having the success that they've had this year, I find myself paying attention more to the national landscape of things. Not that I haven't in the past, but it's interesting to look around college football. Um, I don't think LSU, I don't think they're a possibility anymore. Yeah, I think the loss will, I I feel like Alabama will be above them. The question now becomes, does Alabama make somehow make the playoff? Because if the answer is no, that's probably who K-State's going to play. Doesn't Alabama have two losses? Alabama has two losses. There's no way they're making the playoff. Well, the question is, do they put Tennessee above Alabama or no? And I would make the argument that without Hendon Hooker at Tennessee, Alabama is a better team. Right. They, They take injuries into consideration when they supposedly when Gene Taylor and all his buddies make these, you know, make these polls. Um, I think Alabama is probably going to be the highest rated non-playoff SEC team, which is just wild to think K-State has a legitimate chance to face off with, with Alabama. It's crazy. Well, it's pretty incredible because no, no coaches have won more uh, national championships in yep. the last 10 years than Nick Saban. And I almost said Lou Saban, who was a wrestling <laughs> guy. Nick Saban and uh, Chris Kleiman. It's, it's pretty. How cool. many national title rings would they have? They got to take a picture. If that's if they if that who case if that is who K State plays, they all have to line up together and take like the Wilt Chamberlain picture where they have all their rings. Man, but it it's wild. It's wild to think about. And and here's the honest truth: uh, K State will be competitive with an Alabama team in the the Sugar Bowl because let's be honest, they're going to have a lot of pre-draft. Um, departures from that team. A lot of guys will say, you know what, I'm done playing. I'm going to get ready for the draft. I don't want to get injured. We're not in the playoffs. I mean, that's their standard, um, which is kind of cool, but, you know, I I don't want to hear it, though. I don't want to hear that, oh, poor Alabama's missing 10 starters or whatever it is. You know what? That's the price for doing business, recruiting the top players in the country. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not going to feel bad that you you have too good of players. So uh, I'm just not going to buy into it. Uh, let's return to the K-State-KU game. That's what we're supposed to be talking mm. about. Um, they they do have the Governor's Cup. Um, I'm looking at a picture of it. Boy, is it. Uh, it's really. So does it leave veneer? Or like... uh, no, it never leaves. So they, they it's keep never it. Never gonna leave. They're never gonna lose. They keep it, and then if they were to ever lose, and they would go give it back to KU. Is that how that works? Yeah, they'd probably pee in it first, yeah. and then give it back. That, that may not be factually true, but 
I feel like it's a good story. Um, but yeah, I'm looking at Felix and you, you, this photo will be part of the podcast. So you will see that. Uh, but yeah, it's kind of funny. It, uh, it's an unremarkable trophy. Felix completely dominated that game, by the way. Felix, I, he was a pain in the ass in the second half. They held him the whole, entire first half, but he started breaking free in the second half. He blew up a running play that proved to be crucial. He pressured Jalen Daniels into some bad throws. But, uh, Jalen Daniels played really well. I mean, he put some really nice balls out there. Um, he ran for a touchdown, You know, sold out to get into the end zone, kind of hurt a – well, actually, he took a Daniel Green yeah. helmet right to the – looked like the pelvis, you know, right in the – oh, it – was in the gut, but it hit the hip too. It, it was awful looking. Anyhow, um, but yeah, it, it was a it was a fun night. I, and I, by the way, I admire all of you who, who stuck that one out, who sat in the cold and then eventually the rain for three plus hours. And the students were absolutely incredible, amazing. Oh, the whole game. They didn't leave after the game, Fitz. I know they didn't leave at halftime. They didn't leave after the game. Oh. You got to remember, most of these kids went home for Thanksgiving. Right. They made an effort to come back to yep. this game. Absolutely, and you know that that was incredible. I'm I'm ready to stop the pass outs though at halftime. I'm ready. I'm just let's get Gene Taylor. Let's get alcohol in the stadium, and and if people want to leave at halftime, they're not coming back in. Yeah, uh, and you know maybe you have an emergency pass out for someone needs to get some out of their car. I don't know, but this has got to stop. That place was not very full at the start of the third quarter. Come on. I mean, I, I did look, I, I know it's your tradition. I know you love to tailgate. Stick around after the game and, and have a few beers. But right. me and Kellis were walking up the stairs last week in Morgantown and we just there were thousands of beer cans. Right. It's just amazing to see. I know. Why it, can't Kansas State have that? It, it, absolutely. Um there was a point in this game though when I was concerned. I really was. Yeah, you could tell from the very start of this game. Kansas won the toss, which is I think it's the second time K State's lost a toss yep. this season. Weird, ten and two, and they're better with the coin toss than the actual games. They're ten and two with the coin toss and nine and three with the games. Hmm. Huh? Wow. Uh, but I think K State was taking the ball no matter what, so yeah. it worked out exactly how it probably would have. But K stopped him, stopped him cold on that first three and out punt, and boom, the muff punt, and and the game flipped right there because KU mathematically just didn't have enough possessions to get over the hump. I'm surprised they never tried to onside one or fake it or go for it. You mentioned early in the game that you expected a couple onside kicks before the fourth quarter. Yeah. And uh, I agreed with you. But, you know, I look back at this game now. Lance Leipold's a football guy. You know, he's a he's an old school coach who believes in tackling and, you know, running the ball. And, yeah, you know, I... They were, incredi- they were incredibly conservative. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and this is, Ryan, I'll, I, I'm going to let you say your famous line, but regarding go, going for it on fourth down. But I just felt like there were times when, okay, you can start to feel the momentum change. If you're KU, you got to try and do something. Right. And, Way to and, win the game. Yeah. I yeah. mean, if you want to win the game, you go for it on a fourth and short. I, I specifically remember K-State was up by, was that when they were up by 13 maybe? 
and there was about seven minutes left in the game. Mm-hmm. And Kay was in their territory. And it was like fourth and four. If you want to win the game, go for it. And they never did. Yeah. Especially fascinating. One of the things I really preach about the brand of football they're playing right now in Lawrence is that's a fun offense. Mm-hmm. It's a really creative offense. I hope Colin Klein steals from that offense a little bit because they do some things um, that are just really unique. And, and overall, they don't run a lot of stuff. They run a lot of formations with the same stuff in, in many ways. There's a lot of window dressing. Oh, it's it's just uh, it, it's fascinating. Andy Reid would love it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of Andy Reid in that. Jason offense. Bean was in there with Daniels on a yeah. few plays. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they had him at receiver. Uh, he proved why he's not a receiver. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it uh, they do get creative on the offensive side of the football, and that's exactly why I was shocked when they didn't go for it on that fourth and four or whatever it was, because they were picking up. Uh, you know, out of four plays, it seemed like they would have one at least that went for five yards or so, and. If it wasn't on the first three downs, I feel like they would would have been due. I didn't understand that one, but um, again, old school football means you punt it away, you rely on your defense. Uh, oddly, I don't think the KU defense was that bad. They gave up 47 points, but a lot of it was because the special teams put them in bad spots. They got worn down. Yeah, and they got eventually got worn down, but I thought KU's defense actually did a good job, particularly against the run in the first half, made it very difficult on Deuce Vaughn. And then uh, K-State just persisted with it. They, oh, I'm yawning. They, they, uh, <laughs> just, they, they didn't give up on that on the running game, which proved to be crucial. You mentioned a moment ago how KU was kind of in this game for a while. They were hanging around, and they went down, scored a touchdown, went down by 10 points, and went for two. If they get that, I mean, there's a huge pass breakup. I can't remember who, who had it. but Yeah, I believe it was Hayes. Maybe. Isn't it? Yeah, I think it was yeah. Hayes. It's an eight-point game if they get that. They don't. Obviously, Malik Knowles goes down and has that big return like we mentioned. And you can say that with, you know, many plays throughout a game. But that was the turning point right there where KU had its its one little chance to get back in the game. And K-State made two big plays, um, one on a, a two-point conversion and then a, a kickoff return. So that was really what, what ended the game really for Kansas. Obviously, there was, I think, 13 minutes left at that point in time. But KU didn't roll the dice enough, in my opinion. It, I don't think they went for it on fourth down once, did they? Uh, they did. They, they did. did. They they both teams were one Fourth and goal, right, for KU? Yeah. Yeah. I will say this. Fitz, you mentioned this earlier. You felt like you were, there were some points where you were nervous. And I'm going to ask you this question. If that would have been any other team, you wouldn't have been. That, that's what I'll say. But because the standard at Kansas State is to beat Kansas into oblivion, 10 points, 13 points feels like a one-score game. You know, they win by 20, and it's like, oh, they didn't win by that much. You know, they put up 47. It's like, but they gave up 27. Like, I, I just feel like the expectation, the the sliding goalposts are different for Kansas State versus Kansas. And that is something that Bill Snyder instilled for this rivalry. And not only, you know, that, that's the national perception. Because national right. people are going to look at this and be like, okay, you hung around. As opposed to if this was K-State versus Baylor, another 6-6 six and six team, people would say, oh. Well, K-State kicked the crap out of Baylor. So, I mean, I understand that, and, and, and I'm with you because we know how explosive this KU offense can be. But I think that the expectation amongst not just the fans but the players too, they felt like they should have won by more. Right. I agree. I agree. Chris Kleiman said something that I completely agree with in the postgame press conference, that that sure did feel like Kansas had more offensive yardage than 307. That felt like 400. And the reason why is they had 211 at halftime. 
K-State's defense held KU's offense to 96 yards in the second half after having trouble in the first half. I mean, they really kind of just put it all together. Um, and uh, it, they, they just seemed to have a whole different posture in the second half. They were more aggressive. They seemed to attack the line of scrimmage more in the second half. Kansas State ends up with 443 yards of offense. Both teams ran 63 offensive plays. Both teams had 20 first downs. Um, so a lot of these stats indicate, you know, how competitive the game was. Uh, Kansas had the ball exactly 31 minutes to K-State's 29. They were 6-12 on third down, 1-1 on fourth, 7-13 and 1-1 for K-State. Every, the, every red zone opportunity was cashed in, 4-4 for KU, 6-6 for K-State. Uh, again, this came down to special teams. You can't come into Bill Snyder Family Stadium and be average in special teams or bad. And I would classify KU as not horrible. We saw that two years ago when Phillip Brooks had two touchdown returns on punts, but they were still bad. They got to solve that or they're never getting over the hump with K-State. I mean, you're going to have to be so much better offensively and defensively to K-State if you're going to be that mediocre in special teams. Just another complete win Chris Kleiman said it again after the game, complimentary football. They want all three aspects of the game, offense, defense, special teams, to slide together, work together, and again we saw it. The the Cats got more physical on defense in the second half. They attacked the line of scrimmage, and it happened on offense too. They started controlling the line of scrimmage in the second half more than they did in the first half because K was moving the ball at will, and if not for the muff punt, this would have been a one-score game, a very tight game at halftime. That's a four because that I think that's a fourteen-point swing because yeah. they lose a possession and honestly, K-State didn't stop them on possessions mm-hmm. in the first half. I think that's a touchdown for KU. Instead, empty possession because they never had one, and K-State gets seven points. So it was an enormous part of the game. What a night! It's a great night. I mean, just great night. I'm so happy for the fans. It's just so impressive the way K State turned out. I just, I can't get over that, honestly. And, and you know, we haven't we haven't mentioned this. I'll say it. The chant that everybody likes to talk about was in full effect. I mean, we heard it from the press box, but it's the one time when you, it, it is. You no, know, I'm I. As much as I don't like the chant, you're playing KU. Yeah. And I just think that contributed to the energy. Honestly, kids were like, all right, they're playing KU. It's go time. You know what? It's they they knew it was at stake and the players mentioned it after the game. There was no need to to hype it up. There was no talk needed. It felt kind of like that energy in the stadium before the game too. Down on the field it was like everybody knew what was going on and yep. they capitalized. It was it was just a special night that I don't think many people if you were here, you'll forget anytime soon. Even the 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 pregame senior night routine, you know, they didn't do a normal routine because this wasn't some six and six, you know, team that was playing for a crappy bowl game, right? They're playing for a big 12 title next week. Chris Kreiman had them go back into the locker room and then proceed as, as normal. So they were locked in and they didn't let any, the, the, the rivalry senior night, none of that stuff was a distraction for this team. They stayed so focused on Kansas, not they, they didn't mention the only the media mentioned yeah. the Big 12 championship or the Sugar Bowl or anything last at Tuesday's press conference. They, at no point did they mention it, bring it up. They were focused on one thing, beating Kansas as badly as they could. And Kleiman was glad that Texas won. He didn't want it to be a gimme. I agree. I totally agree. 
I wanted Kansas to know that they could spoil K-State's party and come with everything on the table. Um, This went down so marvelously because I feel like somewhere in Bristol, Connecticut, ESPN executives are crying in their beer because they didn't get Texas in the championship. Is it still in Connecticut? I thought they were in L.A. now. Screw them. I don't care where they're That's it for this edition of the Powercat Post Game Podcast. Kansas State wins 47-27 over Kansas in the Wheat State rivalry. Uh, K-State finishes 9-3, and 7-2, off to the Big 12 Championship in Arlington next weekend against unbeaten TCU. An incredible opportunity. I feel like, I feel like payback for 1998 might be around the corner for Kansas State football. We will see. We'll have a full week of coverage at Go Powercat. We'll have another one of these with Mr. Brian Hanley in the next few days, probably on Monday. I'll have my keys, my postgame grades based on my keys um, up on Sunday, today, actually, as our coverage will keep rolling out. And that is one of the things behind the paywall. So maybe you want to come over and subscribe. 75% off a subscription to GoPowerCat.com. Take care of it on Sunday. Get it done. Uh, as soon as you stop this podcast, head on over and get that taken care of. Click the green join button and become part of our growing community because we are having fun covering the cats for you. Thank you for listening to the PowerCat Podcast. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. PowerCat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com. Thank you.